Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. Good morning. How are you today? This is a great weekend. What is this, like uh, February? It feels like February. I have to admit, again, yesterday I refed six games for raising money for the Costa Rica mission trips. My two kids are going. One is a, a leader in college and the other is a participant. And it was actually nice not sweating up a storm yesterday. It was actually kind of cold, though, for a little bit. So, But it worked. It worked out. So uh, we have uh, today, uh, we're starting a new series called Courageous Choices. And I want to give some credit to Eagle Brook Church, a fine church in Minnesota, a fantastic church in Minnesota. We actually are borrowing their outline and some of the content And so we want to thank them. The series is about choices. And some of you lean into choices more easily and quickly than others, and some of you uh, put them off a little more than others, right? I was uh, in a conversation recently uh, with someone that I know really well, and they were talking about how someone in their life makes decisions really, really slowly. (laughs) Any of you have family members like that? Friends like that? Where, uh, where you were ready to make a decision last month, or was it last year, or was it last decade? And you're still waiting for them to make the decision to come up with you and, and, and do that? Okay, now the upside is God made us all to make decisions differently, and, and there's positives about that. And the upside of slow decisions is usually when we make a decision, it's a really good decision. But the truth is for all of us, rather, regardless of whether we make decisions fast or slow, the decisions we make in life today determine our future. And some of those decisions are small and end up big. Kind of like a decision I heard this last week when I was meeting with someone to plan a memorial service. There was a young man years ago devastated by divorce, and he on a whim decided to go on a blind date, and 37 years of happy marriage after that, you know, they're where they are today. It's been a beautiful life. Other decisions are small, and they don't really make all that much impact on our future. They make a little, but not a lot. And some of the decisions are big, and we know they're big. We know they dramatically impact our future in many ways. I remember years ago, when I was a lot younger, just out of seminary, uh, my mentor for many years had left and gone on staff with this large, fast-growing megachurch in Chicago, and he wanted me to join him there. And I had two decisions coming out of seminary. I could either go with this fast-growing church with a big salary and rejoin my mentor, which was extremely attractive, or I could stay in Tulsa where we were at the time and go to on uh, staff with a much smaller church that hadn't grown much in years for 22000 a year. After a lot of vacillation and prayer, Wendy and I decided God was actually telling us to take the church in Tulsa, the smaller church. Uh, within 18 months, the, the large church in Chicago fell apart because of leadership issues. And also within 18 months, that Tulsa church tripled in size giving me the kind of experience I needed to go on to 11 years of full-time consulting and a great foundation for a future in ministry and experience for a lifetime. You can probably point out many similar decisions in your own life. Our decisions today affect our future. And many of those decisions take courage. It takes courage to say no to something like I did to my mentor, who I loved a lot. 
It takes courage to say yes to some huge risks in our lives at times, doesn't it? It takes courage to have that conversation that could end up either dissolving the relationship or propelling the relationship in a positive direction into the future, doesn't it? Some of you might have even started coming to the quest in the past few months or even just today. And for you, because of your experience with church or your experience with church people, the decision to be here took courage for you to come. In this series, Courageous Choices, we're looking at the life of Joshua and the book named after him to examine how God led him and led the people of Israel through a series of courageous choices during a time of transition from all they had known, which wasn't very good, into the dream they had been pursuing for a very long time. As I and the staff and the elders and other people or leaders around here were praying, even some vineyard pastors in the area that I meet with on a regular basis were praying about where God is taking us, we really feel like this series is extremely timely. Because God said a lot of promises that we've begun to tap into but not fully realized. And God's in the process of taking us into fulfillment of many of those promises that He has spoken over us, over your lives, over our lives together as quest. And it takes courageous choices for us to walk into the fulfillment of promises, doesn't it? Now, at first you may listen to that last statement and say, well, you know, I mean, walking into a promise, I mean, that's really easy. I mean, isn't that what we all dream about, the fulfillment of a dream? That should be really easy for us. But if we take a moment to remember, a lot of those dreams in our lives that we've walked into have actually been times of great nerves and great fear, haven't they? How many couples have you known who, when they were dating and engaged, they were head over heels and they'd walk around just sappy saying things like, oh, he's my soulmate. I mean, they just, you know, t- tons of sap. Or she's my dream. And yet, as the culmination of that dream, the wedding draws near, they're a basket case of nerves, even fear. How many people have you known who have aspired to major promotions in their career path or starting a business, and when the time actually came to do that, they were full of near nerves and fear, and some people chose not to do those steps? The first couple I married was Will and Missy. They were, uh, even at that time, everybody looked at them and said, they are like the perfect couple to be married. They're still married today, have wonderful children. And, and But at the time, when Missy wasn't really even sure that Will was the right choice for her to marry. Now, the story I'm going to share with you is shared publicly by the bride, so I'm not betraying any confidence from counseling. Wendy was her premarital counselor, their premarital counseling. Missy was having doubts, so she came into the office one day alone to talk with Wendy, and they set up this sheet of pros and cons of should they get married. And the pros were like a mile long, and the, and the cons were just like a few. I mean, this guy loved well. He had a heart to follow God. He's just such a, a successful, good, diligent person in life. But the cons were tripping her up in, 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 on her list. And seeing him on paper, Missy began to realize that some of her concerns and fears she needed to look at differently. I mean, the biggest con on her list to marrying Will was... She didn't like the way he drove. Anybody else have that? She thought he took left turns too slowly and it drove her nuts. So looking at the list of pros and cons, she could see the big picture. And she laughingly began to smile and said, I think I can deal with that. I think I can deal. Transitions and choices in life 
It's so easy for us to get tripped up in minor concerns or to simply be caught by the fears of the unknown. And all of us go through transitions. Some of you are going through transitions now. Some of you have moved fresh, new to this community. Some of you are fairly new to marriage and you're dealing with the toughness of some of those first few years. Some of you have a new job or or a new kid and you're adjusting to new kids in the home. And some of you really want a life where you could start some things over. You long for a change for the better, but you're afraid to take that step. Every transition that we go through in life takes courageous choices. Even transitions to go from the stuff that's not positive in our life, that we wish we could be rid of, to something more in our life takes a courageous choice. Some of you are even facing some of the negative things right now and you're trying to adjust to them. It takes courage. The loss of a loved one, the change that brings. Sleeping in a bed where you're alone and there used to be somebody next to you. You dropped off a child at school this past year. Maybe it was college. And you walk home to a, to a home that's a whole lot quieter. Or maybe it's, maybe it's uh, going back to work on maternity leave. Or having a kid even dropped off for half-day kindergarten and preschool. All those transitions in life. How do we overcome the fear and the anxiety that goes along with those types of transitions? See, even though Joshua is an account of history from about 4,000 years ago, In his story, we see some of the same anxieties, the same fears, the same human reactions that you and I still face today. I mean, sure, the circumstances might be different, but the feelings, the thoughts, the barriers that we face that either make to making a good decision or the barriers that sometimes trip us up and cause us to make bad decisions, they're the same. And God recognizes that. And we see in Joshua 1, God make this really important point of how we follow him in facing transitions. I mean, Joshua himself at that point in Joshua 1 is facing this huge transition. He's assuming leadership over the nation of Israel. He's succeeding none other than the great Moses that we've all seen the movies about, right? He's succeeding Moses at a time when Israel is about to go through this desperately big change for something they've been longing for for centuries to walk into a promise. And in that moment, God tells Joshua and the people of Israel three times in one chapter, be strong and courageous. Listen to how God talks to Joshua. He says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses, skipping to verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. 
Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God brought all of us here today to say one simple phrase to every one of us. Be strong and courageous. No matter what you're facing in life, be strong and courageous. See, many of us have been strong, but sometimes we're not courageous. Have you ever thought about it? Do you realize that you can be strong and not courageous? It takes courage to have a tough conversation with a family member. But instead, sometimes we choose to be strong and endure under the hurt and the bitterness and the offense and the harmful behaviors and the addiction of someone close to us. We suffer out of this sense of faithfulness and love. And while that faithfulness and love is true and genuine, some of the suffering we face sometimes is in part because of our lack of courage to face the issue and seek help. We can be strong and we can endure a bad job situation for a long time, even after we sense God's calling to take the risk of applying for a new job or starting a business. And we exhibit great strength in that enduring, but we lack the courage to choose to walk into God's dream that he's inviting us to walk into. We can suffer in depression and anxiety and even addiction for many years and be strong to endure, but avoid the choice to be open and honest and to seek help from a counselor or a friend around us. See, we're strong, and we put on a strong front, but all too often that strength lacks courage. As the book of Joshua begins, the Israelites have been enslaved to the Egyptians for hundreds of years. They've been delivered miraculously by God under Moses' leadership. They've spent a few years in the desert wilderness of Sinai. It takes strength to stand up under the wilderness difficulty of life. But God wants more than that for us. God has a good plan for each and every one of us. A really, really good plan for your life. He wants your life to be one of healing and growth, of needs being met, of meaningful impact, of having spiritual, relational, and material inheritance to pass on to the next generation. To realize that promise, it takes courage to change, to take a step, to leave the comfortable, to step into the uncertain, to leave the past Behind, It even takes courage to leave that difficult life behind that you've been used to and you've become accustomed to navigating for so many years to walk into a better life. Strength and courage are the backbone of faith. Why does, Joshua tell, why does God tell Joshua three times to be strong and courageous? Have you ever thought about that? The story actually begins not on Joshua, but it begins all the way back in the previous book in Numbers 13. God tells Moses to send these 12 spies out into the promised land. 
And the promised land is described as a land flowing with milk and honey, this place of extreme abundance of resources and goodness. It, this is like, this phrase of one, uh, like milk and honey is, is like moving from the slums of, uh, of poverty to the country club neighborhood of New Albany. Or it's like, it's like this phrase would be like ma- making the Israelites feel like they were about ready to win the lottery. That's what this phrase means. And Moses sends out these 12 men, each one from one of the tribes, to scout out the land, to bring back a report of what the land is like, if the people are strong or weak. And Joshua is one of those spies, and so is a friend of his, Caleb. And if we understand this, we look at it and we say, well, God already promised the land to him. So, I mean, it's a done deal from God's perspective. Why do they need to do this? God already said it. He would give it to them. All they had to do was trust God's promise. So the 12 spies go out and they explore the land for 40 days. And they come back with some of the produce of the land, which is exactly as God had promised. I mean, this is fantastic. It is the definition of a land flowing with milk and honey. But then they also spend a lot, time, a lot of time talking with the people in the report about the giants in the land, how big the people are, how great their walled cities are, and how powerful their cities are. And Caleb silences the people. And he speaks for he and Joshua. And he says this. He says, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the other ten spies, they say, no, we, we can't attack We can't go there. They're too big. I mean, we're like grasshoppers next to them, and their cities, they're so strong. And they conclude their argument saying, if we attack them, we will certainly die. We will fail. The ten lobbied the people of Israel, so they came back saying, no, we can't do this. So in the next chapter of Numbers 14, we see the people complaining. And they start saying, can we just go back to Egypt? Can we go back to the slavery that we knew how to navigate rather than live in facing the fear and the struggle of realizing a new promise? But see, between those ten and the two, this is more than just a mere difference of opinion. Joshua and Caleb trusted God and thought that they could do anything that God asked them to do, even conquer giants. The other ten were more in awe of people and the circumstances than they were of God. They made people big and God small. They made circumstances big and God small. They trusted more in what they could see than what God had said and promised to them. Have you ever done that in your life? Have you ever made people big and God small, circumstances big and God small, trusted in what you could see more than God's promise? Maybe you have a boss that strikes fear in you, and you trust them more than God's promise for you. Maybe you're a student or you were a kid on a bus one day at one time and and maybe you always felt small and nervous around a certain person. Or or maybe it's the political system that you face at work or or maybe it's just the political system you face in our government where it feels so hopelessly entrenched that what, what you believe God wants and desires for you looks impossible to happen. 
Ed Welch, who is an author of a, actually a recent leadership training we did for you here at Quest called Side by Side. Many of you took that. Also wrote a book, When People Are Big and God is Small. And Welch says this. He says, fear of man is such a part of the human fabric that we should check for a pulse if someone denies it. Welch goes on. And he talks about the signs that we may see in ourselves when we struggle with, God, with, with people being big and God small. He says we'll find ourselves second-guessing decisions frequently. Find ourselves wondering what people think about us and our decision. You'll find yourself jealous of what other people have. You'll find yourself easily embarrassed because of how you look to people. You'll tell little white lies to kind of cover up uncomfortable truths and facts that you don't really want people to know because you're more afraid of their opinion than of God's. You give in to temptation and pressure from others instead of doing what you believe is right, best, and good in God's eyes. You find yourself overcommitted because you can't say no to people. Pleasing others is more important than pleasing God, so you trust what you need to do to make them happy more than trust God's plan for Sabbath and rest and balance in life. Every one of us likely falls into one or more of these categories, myself included, at one time or another. And when we fall into those categories, the world typically labels us as codependent or they use words like insecure or weak in the face of peer pressure or that we lack self-esteem. But Welch comes back and says that all those labels are really a symptom of fearing people more than we fear God, of making people big and God small. And the effects of that in our lives are devastating. And we see those same effects in the people of Israel. In Numbers 14, the next chapter, the ten spies convince the people not to go in the promised land. Joshua and Caleb plead with them, saying, If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into the land. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And then a couple of verses later, God shows up as the people are rebelling and about to stone Moses and Joshua and Caleb. And he says this, Then the glory of the Lord appeared. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. See, God is always moving into the future. And when we choose to live in the past instead of God's promises, we choose to distance ourselves from the Spirit of God. And in the worst-case scenario, God might even remove us and get us out of the way so His promises and His plan can become a reality. With promise comes the responsibility from God to respond in faith in a way that requires strength and courage. Now, we also read just a couple verses after this that Moses intercedes with God and God relents and he forgives the people. Uh, And this just shows us the power of prayer, right? Yet there are still consequences. God basically says to him, okay, I'm not going to destroy you, but the next 40 years you're all going to spend wandering in the wilderness until every single one of you who rebelled dies 
except for Joshua and Caleb. See, there's this side that we talk about of God a lot and is the side we should talk about a lot of this gracious, patient, forgiving, abounding in love God. But sometimes when we talk about that and we only focus on that, we can lose this other aspect and we should focus on those. Those are the true qualities. But God is also the supreme and only God of the universe. He is a just God. And he's a God who has judged sin as being worthy of death. Sin being when we deny or act in ways that God, uh, against the way God created us to live. And the whole story of our message, which is so beautiful and so good, is that Jesus' death on the cross took that penalty for our sin. If we choose to follow Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. If we choose, though, instead, to live outside of Jesus under natural law, living in a place where we continue to put ourselves in the judge of what is right and best and good instead of God, then we are still judged by that law. And we still are subject to the consequences of that law. In the case of the Israelites, fear wins. And a whole generation loses. Simply because they made people big and God small. But if you fast forward 40 years, now we find ourselves in Joshua 1. And Joshua and Caleb are the only ones of that generation who rebelled against God who are still alive. And now Joshua is supposed to lead these people of the Israelites across the Jordan River into the promised land. And I can imagine Joshua sitting at the fire at night, looking into the flames of the campfire, likely thinking, I have to take over for Moses. Those are big shoes to fill. Will the people follow me? And can I, also, I can also imagine him thinking, we were here once before, and the last time we are here, the people failed to be obedient to God. How's it going to go this time? He's experiencing fear and anxiety, and God shows up to him and says to him three times, be strong and courageous. And the same is true for us in our transitions that we face, that are un, of transitions of the unknown, the fear of other people, the fear of circumstances, the big walls, the entrenched, unchangeable things in our life that we think will never change. God's word for us today is be strong and courageous. But if you're like me, when you face those moments, you start asking the question, I'm trying to be strong and courageous. How do I do that? How can we remain strong and courageous when transition in life seems so fearful and uncertain? Our text tells us that today, and let's look at it. We start by remembering the promise, verse 3. See, Joshua and Caleb knew God had promised them this land, and they reminded themselves of that regularly. And that sounds easy. It sounds almost trite, but it's often really hard for us, isn't it? When everything looks like it's possibly going to fail, when people are skeptical of your ability to succeed, when you are tired from all the pressure and the stress of life, it's really easy to believe the circumstances and the voices around you. And in those moments, it can feel like you're trying to lift this really heavy weight when you're exhausted and out of breath. 
So much so that even just speaking the words of promises feels too difficult and it feels utterly disingenuous to how you feel to speak out those words of promise. But there's something powerful, something right, something worshipful about saying out loud the promises of God. It's more than positive confession. It's more than mental gymnastics. It's aligning your heart and your mind with God's heart and mind. See, the promise Joshua had is in verse 3. It says, I will give you every place you set your foot as I promised Moses. What's the promise for your life as a family, for your career, for your ministry impact for God in your life, in other people's lives? See, the promise of Quest is to bring colorful, vibrant faith in Jesus to the community around us, to reach people who are stuck in religious expectations and burdensome expectations of what it means to be a material success in our world today and to bring freedom to people so that they can be all that God wants them to be in all of their uniqueness and not feel so much pressure to conform in ways that God did not design them to be. Part of God's promise over quest in that is also for us to grow significantly larger than we are right now. And I'll admit, there have been times that I personally struggled to believe that promise, especially during the first few years here a number of years back. I regularly remind myself of those promises. Even when I don't feel like it, I go back to my journal and I read those promises that God has made over you and I, over our community together. And even though in year two and three of being here, it's almost seven now, the business sense of me said, this place is going to fall apart and it's going to fail. Here we are today, healthy and growing. Even just in this last year, there have been some significant challenges we face where we had giving that was present last year that wasn't going to be present this year. And the forecasts we had at the beginning of the year were that we would be in a severe financial hole right about now, this year, struggling right now. And instead, we're strong financially now. God has answered We still have more to do, but thank you for your giving in that. I didn't even tell most of you about the extent of that need. And God has provided. And the point is this. The point is this. God keeps His promises. God keeps His promises. And we need to remember His promises and respond with faith by being strong and courageous. God has made promises of growth for you and each of your lives personally and for our life together as the people of Quest. And He's inviting us to strength and courage to realize those things, to persevere and to walk with Him. The second way we remember strength and courage is this. We remember God is with you. You remember God is with you. As Joshua thinks, can I live up to this leadership of Moses? God says to him in verse 5, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Isn't it true in life that everything seems better with someone else? I mean, I've said many times, I've thought many of times, I would rather live in poverty with my wife 
than live in a mansion alone. Proverbs 15, 17 says kind of the same thing. It says, a small bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than the finest steak with someone you hate. Now, I know all you vegetarians, you think the Bible's got it backwards. Solomon and I are carnivores. Steaks are much, much better. But isn't that true? When you are with someone you love, circumstances don't matter all that much. Apply that to your relationship with God. If you've trusted in Christ for salvation, for Him to be your Lord of your life, then He's with you. Do you have that rock-solid conviction of the Holy Spirit's presence being with you in every single part of your life? If not, then let me, let me encourage you to meditate on this question. If you did have that rock-solid conviction that He was with you, how would your life be different? See, some of us still act like there is distance between God and us. We come to church and we sense His presence, but, but what about sensing His presence in your work, in the boardroom, in your meeting room, on the soccer field, when you're up changing the diaper in the baby's bedroom? So many times I can get so worked up, I can get stressed out about life, and, and then I get struck with this thought, well, why don't you just pray? Because God's with you. Remember we talk a lot about Quest, about this idea of pray first. Pray first about your anxious thoughts when you're feeding the baby in the middle of the night. Pray first when you're paying your bills. Pray first before that sales meeting or that board meeting or before you hire someone or before you promote someone. Pray first in all of life. And sometimes when I pray, sometimes when you pray, you're going to sense God's presence coming to you and removing that stress, that feeling of stress from you. So the encouragement is be strong and courageous because God is with you. And you will lead these people, the workers you supervise, your family, your small group you lead, your neighbors, your friends. You will lead the people you interact with to inherit the land, to inherit the promise God swore to give them. Another way we can respond to God's admonition for us to be strong and courageous is this. Simply turn up the volume on God's word. See, the second time God speaks to Joshua, he says it this way, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Question. How many of us want to be successful in everything we do? Every one of us, right? Second question. How many of us are following God's prescribed plan for how to be successful? Meditating on His Word, the Bible, day and night, obeying everything we read. This word meditate in Hebrew is, is actually the same word we use for a cow chewing its cud, right? It's mulling the same piece of grass over and over again to fill your mind with Scripture. Think about Scripture. Meditate on Scripture. Obey it. Let God's Word become the background music of your life. 
That way, when you go through a difficult season, when the giants get big around you, you can just turn the volume up a little bit because His Word is already there. It's already the background music of your life. I'm old enough to have had the privilege of watching many people grow old. And many people who grow old, some of them become more difficult as they grow older. And then there are many people I've known like Dora. Dora is this lovely older lady who when I knew her, she was in her 90s, suffering from all sorts of you know, pain and physical maladies of older age and, and, and decline physically. And, and, and she would come weekly and pray uh, with us for all the churches I was working with in my last job. Grandma Dora, as everyone referred to her, read and meditated, the, meditated on the Bible daily for most of her life. For most of her life, she was a single missionary until her late 40s, early 50s, when she married a widowed minister who a couple years later passed away, leaving her alone yet once again in life. Yet with all the tragedy, with all the difficulty in her life, Dora was one of the most full of joy and full of people, peace people I've ever known. A problem would come up and she would quote the Bible and verses and stories to us. And then she would tell us from the Bible stories, she would tell us her own stories of life where those scriptures that she had just quoted us, God had proved to be true to reality the way he worked in her life and would in our lives as well. I've met few people with more Bible committed to memory than Grandma Dora. But the reason she had so much joy, so much more joy than older people that I, that I have other seen and other people, it's because the Word of God was the background music of her life. When difficult circumstances would come, all she had to do was turn up the volume on that background music and listen to the promises of God and know how to live through them successfully with prosperity in going through the difficult things of life. Every one of us faces transitions in life from old to new, from the less pleasant to walking into a dream of a preferred future, from aging and loss and death that we all go through. God says to us in all of that, be strong and courageous. It's not a challenge to live up to, like someone saying to us, come on, you weakling, buck up and be strong and courageous. No, it's not that tone. It's an invitation of one who guarantees the promise, who gives all of himself and all of his resources to us to walk it out with us, who says to us, if you follow me, I will bring you through to a better place with greater meaningful impact for your life so that you can have all that confidence and therefore you can be strong and courageous. What are the transitions you're going through right now? Is it a new marriage? Is it a new friendship? Is it the birth of a baby? Is it a new promotion? A new job? Is it adjusting to being retired? Is it having gone through a divorce or a loss of someone or the loss of physical strength for yourself or sickness or the longing for just, or just the longing for something, something more in life? Hear God's word to you today. Be strong and courageous because God is with you and you can trust his promises because his promises are sure. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we ask that your spirit would come 
and that you would make that very real to us because you are with us. Your spirit is here. Lord, even for any here who may not have made a decision to follow you or may not know you yet, your spirit is here and you're touching them right now. Making yourself known. Lord, would you come and strengthen our hearts and give us the courage to walk into the wonderful, fantastic promises you have for our lives. To trust you and to enjoy the beautiful, good life you have planned for us. Lord, we worship you. And would you continue to come to us now as we continue to worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.